always aim to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. Welcome to the Word of a King podcast. It's where culture clashes with our calling, where preaching is more important than popularity, where we rightly divide and properly apply the scriptures, where we put to rest common and controversial issues. We do this by looking to the Word of a King. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding. Amen, amen. Welcome back to another episode of the Word of a King podcast. I am your host, Chad Reese, and with me, the co-host, Brother Brian Bean. Brother Brian, it's good to be here as we get ready to tackle this subject again. But before we get into this subject, got a, got something for us? I do. I've been going through the book of Ruth, and this thought occurred to me. <laughs> do you know when Ruth was just a little child in her crib and diapers and all that, what, they, what her nickname was, what they called her? <laughs> baby ruth baby ruth yeah <laughs> i like that i like that as soon as you said that i knew where you were going yeah uh, but it's still funny I, I definitely appreciate the humor thank you praise the lord for that and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to get right back in to this subject on mid-acts hyper dispensationalists let's transition on to another kind of just thought here uh, they teach again hyperdispensationalist, probably Acts 28 and mid-Acts, that we are not to be born again, right? So Christians aren't born again. And so this is kind of where this, I want to illustrate where this danger comes from. And we might've touched on this briefly, but they say that because Paul hmm. didn't say you must be born again. Now, what we mentioned last week, and I'll let you kind of expound on this idea. What we mentioned last podcast, excuse me, was that Paul doesn't preach on hell either. Does that mean hell doesn't exist? Well, I don't know a single hyper mid-Acts or Acts 28 that teaches that or believes that. Right. But this is a good principle. They that, should. Yeah, right. They're consistent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this is a good principle that, that I think um, folks need to you know con- consider. The idea that Paul has to state something verbatim, word for word, Otherwise, it doesn't exist, or you shouldn't do it. We'll talk about that in a minute in regards to baptism. That's not how you interpret the Bible. That's not how you study the Bible. Like, the fall of Lucifer doesn't go away because Paul doesn't explain it. (laughs) You know, the doctrine of hell doesn't go away because Paul doesn't preach about it. And so this idea, obviously being born again, is John chapter 3. So, Brother Brian, why don't you just talk for a few minutes about... We as Christians, we as the body of Christ, do you think when someone gets saved, they're born again? And if so, why? And why are they wrong? They do get born again. Amen. <laughs> Rhetorical and question. This is why we call them hyper. Right. They, they just go way too far on one side. We're all about Paul. And if anybody's not what we call hyper dispensationalist, to them, we're hyper dispensationalists. Sure. We go too far. But I sum it up as this. First John, confess sins. Where did Paul say to confess sins? My answer, oh, I've got like 10 answers on it. Right. But one of my answers is, where did Paul say to not confess sins? Amen. So unless you show, I think this is the greatest way to interpret the Bible. If 
take every word of the Bible, every all 66 books is the word of God for today, unless it goes against Paul. That's right. If it doesn't go against Paul, it's for y'all. John Amen. 3, born again, that is 100% distinctly matches Paul. It has to do with the Holy Spirit baptism. It has to do with being one in Jesus Christ. It has to do with giving eternal life for free, becoming a son of God. None of that goes against Paul. It's all in perfect harmony with Paul and Paul didn't have to use the word born again though he Amen. pretty much did right but John 3 I'm sure everybody knows except a man be born of water first birth water birth and of the spirit he cannot see the kingdom of God Paul preached the kingdom of God right. Romans 14 17 first Corinthians 15 50 flesh and blood should not inherit the kingdom of God that which is born of the flesh is flesh that which is born of the spirit is spirit marvel not ye must be born again but their whole problem that's why we call them hyper right it's in john and that was before the mystery was revealed to paul and therefore it can't be for the body mystery they're so crazy they if it's not paul they just can't accept it but paul used the word born again titus 3 5 yeah. not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing. What washes you? Regeneration. Re again, yeah. generate, born, genetics, right. Genesis. That's born again. Amen. And there's other verses. You probably, you probably got one there. Yeah. But that it not only doesn't go against Paul, it not only totally lines up with Paul, the idea of being born again. Paul teaches the doctrine. He uses the word. He doesn't say born again. So it's like, well, show me where Jesus said, I am Jehovah, like the Jehovah's Witness. Well, that's not how the Bible's written. Paul used the term born again. It's consistent with how he describes salvation. It's Amen. consistent with Romans 8. It's consistent with spiritual circumcision, Colossians 2, the new birth, being saved, being born again, becoming a son of God. That's not an individual. There's no individuals in the Old Testament who were sons of God right. other than Adam. Yeah. He's the only son of God in the Old Testament. So that's not some kind of kingdom millennial doctrine. That's distinctly church Pauline. Right. Yeah, exactly, and, and did a wonderful job kind of just refuting that whole idea. And this this one, if you can grasp this, it's like the house of cards that they mm. try to build falls because the idea that that Paul has to say it or command it, uh, therefore, if he doesn't say or command it, then it's not for you. That's why we call them Hyper. hypers. Yeah. And again, so a couple of things just to, to you know reiterate, he's preaching the kingdom of God is connected with the kingdom of God. It's not exactly. connected with the kingdom of heaven. Exactly. And it's individual. John 1 12 is, but as many as received him to them gave a power to become the sons of God. As you mentioned, that is a new Testament idea of becoming a, a son of God, you individually. Right. And so, yes, Paul doesn't say he must be born again, but as you pointed out in Titus three, five, he talks about the washing of regeneration so you were regenerated the day you got saved that's a new birth that's being born again that's that becoming a new creature that paul talks about right and so another great one is first corinthians chapter 4 verse 15 paul says for though we have ten thousand instructors in christ yet have ye not many fathers for in christ jesus that's important I have mm. begotten you through the gospel. So you were begotten through the gospel. Well, it's not the first time you were born. So you were born again through the gospel. You were regenerated by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So the idea, the principle, the concept of the new birth, being born again, is Pauline. It fits Paul's doctrine. And as you rightfully said the correct way to interpret the bible is not to say well where did paul say it verbatim 
The correct way to interpret, to rightly divide the word of truth is, does it contradict what Paul says? Last thing I'll say on this subject, I've seen hypers do this. They'll lay out like when the books are written to try to show that, you know, well, he wrote it here and the mysteries were either given or not given and therefore dismisses if the, if, you know, the, if this epistle was written before the mysteries were given, but you know what they never do? They never show when <laughs> John was written. The whole idea that even though, you know, these scholars and educated people know, they know they call, you know, the synoptic gospel and John's the one gospel that, you know, seems to differ the most. You know what God did with just his foreknowledge and just him being God? John is written much later. A Paul, I mean, I, you can correct me or someone else can. I know Paul's at least written some of his epistles, probably all of his epistles by the time John is penned. So if that's your standard of like when the book is written, that, that's how you apply it, then you would have to be consistent with John. John is written much later, and Paul has already written some, if not all, of his epistles by the time John is written. So again, that's why the book of John is written that what? You may believe. Mm. That's why the new birth is applicable to the church. It matches uh, Paul's doctrine about being saved, regenerated, and being begotten by the gospel. And John has got all kinds of, he that heareth my word, believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. This is the work of God that you believe on him whom we have sent. Matches Paul. You know, it doesn't match. It doesn't match their theory. Well, well, part of their theory is true, but it doesn't match repent and be baptized for. They didn't have to do anything to get saved. The kingdom gospel and the little flock gospel and the gospel of the circumcision Peter's preaching and the millennial doctrines and tribulation doctrines are not believe and you're saved. But that's what John says. Yeah. Well, yeah, everyone says John is 90, 95, 96 AD, yeah. John and his epistles in right. Revelation. But they'll just say, well, that was during the earthly ministry. They just, they just do whatever they want with it. Sure, not consistent. <laughs> yeah, I just want to add something on the yeah, begotten thing. Yeah, he mentioned whom I have begotten. Look at 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again yeah. unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Matches Paul. Right. 1 uh, Peter 5. 14, greet you one another with a kiss of charity. Wrong one. Verse 13, the church that is at Babylon elected together with you saluteth you, and so doth Marcus my son. Paul talked about having sons whom he begat. Peter talks about sons whom he begat. And I forgot to mention the other thing, born again only occurs twice, John 3 and 1 Peter. And they, for whatever stupid reason, yeah. <laughs> Peter is a tribulation epistle, just like 1 John is a tribulation epistle. And... Because Peter uses the term born again, 1 Peter one twenty three, born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. They come up with this crazy doctrine that it must not be for the body because it was in 1 Peter. That's how crazy these guys are. That's why they're right. hypers. Anything in 1 Peter. I, we'll get into it later about did Peter preach a different gospel and was the right. gospel revealed to Paul. But some of the greatest verse, 1 Peter 3.18, a Brother Turner in a visitation class would give you notes in that. And he said, this is the gospel in one verse. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. I don't know where Paul ever said it any better. <laughs> That's 1 Peter 3.18. And 1 John has got some of the great... 1 John's... I like to say this. 1 John's more Pauline than Paul's epistles. 1 John... They find two verses in 1 John, a book that has like 150 verses or whatever, that they kind of don't understand and might have application to the tribulation, right. which I'll grant you. And then they throw the whole book out. They throw the baby out with the bathwater. First John has got 
tons of wonderful things about eternal life and getting a new body. Behold, now are we the sons of God? Right. That's not true in the millennium. That's not true in the tribulation. That's not true during the earthly ministry of Christ. But they got this this house of cards and they got to stick to it. Right. So First John's for the tribulation. Ugh. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> as you mentioned, all the general epistles are going to be tribulation. Therefore, any of the language they use or words they use, if Paul doesn't use them, therefore it can't be for, you know, the the for us, for the Christian today. And like you said, they, I don't know how they would explain this. Obviously we believe as Bible believers, rightly dividing the word of truth, that in the time of um, Jacob's trouble in the great tribulation, if a man takes the mark of the beast, he's going to be damned. He's in instructed that he must endure into the end. But when you get to books like first John, according to first John chapter three, you can't sin. Mm. Because why? His seed remaineth in you. And, and there's this protection there. Well, how does that fit for just if that has to be tribulation? Right. What about 1 John 5, as you said? And this is the record that God had given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the son of God. I would say that is much more Pauline doctrine with us, Ephesians uh, 4, where you're sealed under the day of redemption, where there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God, then it is tribulation where yeah. they got to endure in the end, take the mark of the beast. So it's much more <laughs> Pauline. And so while we're here, and you brought this up, well, I'll go ahead and mention it now. So this idea that, you know, the general epistles, um, they're, they're for the, you know, the little flock or the tribulation, but they're not for us because Paul didn't say them. They put themselves in a box, like you said, about being born again. Obviously, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. How? By the word of God. That is 100% for us today. You know what else is? The idea of being a Christian. And the word Christian <laughs> shows up two times. And this is a real problem for them. One of those times is in 1 Peter chapter 4. What verse is it? Uh, let me find it here. I just had it and lost it. Oh, verse 16. 1 Peter 4, verse 16. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And they would say, see, we're not Christians because... <laughs> Peter used that word. And therefore, being a Christian has nothing to do with Paul being a Christian, has nothing to do with this day and age because it is future, it is for the tribulation, or it's for the little flock, or whatever they may say. What's the problem with that, Brother Brian? Where's the other time it's used? Well, it's in Acts 26, and yeah. it's used in connection with Paul. That, so here's the problem. <laughs> uh, you got the verse there? Yeah, King yeah. Agrippa, Acts 26, 27. Believest thou the prophets? Mm. I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So, meaning, is that saying if King Agrippa <laughs> yeah. in Acts chapter 26 would have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, he would have been a Christian, Brian? Well, he's a Gentile king that Paul is preaching to, so... Well, if Christians a little flock, then yeah. I don't. That doesn't make sense. Right. So how? Yeah, would he, he would have become a Christian. Right. And therefore, you can be a Christian yeah. under Paul's ministry, under Paul's preaching, 
and you can be a Christian according to 1 Peter chapter 4. But if you're a hyper dispensationalist, then you got to somehow explain yeah. like, well, that Christian group is a different Christian group than Acts chapter 26. Just like how that body is a different body. That church is a different church. And you have to come up with all this philosophy and idea to make your house of cards stand instead of just believing what the Bible says and realizing that there's one body, one church, one group of Christians, and that is all that are saved by the grace of God. And so by the blood of Jesus Christ that have received the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior, and it's all applicable for us today. Now, with that said, we we both know that there is things in the general epistles that is going to be doctrine for the tribulation. There's no doubt about that. We teach that. We preach that. We show that. But to dismiss all of the general epistles because that is just ludicrous. And yeah, also, uh, to dismiss a lot of the gospels is ludicrous. Right? To dismiss the Old Testament is ludicrous. Right. There's lots of stuff for the body. There's lots of stuff that doesn't change. There are many differences, which we acknowledge, we teach, right. we rightly divide the word of truth, but there are many things that aren't different. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's crazy. All right, let's uh, let's transition into this idea about um, baptisms not for us today. So, um, you know, Paul doesn't command us. Paul didn't say for us to be baptized. Therefore, you know, we, we don't need to be baptized. What, what's your thoughts on that, Brother Brian? I got lots of thoughts on that. I'm not sure how many you want. Let's go. Let's, uh, I, we're going to go a little bit more over than we normally do, and that's okay. And we want to get this all in here. I think it's important. And I hope by the end of this, your eyes are open to the truth of the dangers and the outright heresies of mid-Acts dispensationalism. And again, I know we've been trying to be, you know, not just slanderous and not just throw people under the bus, but really we're coming out as guns blazing, shooting and showing and, uh, you know, yep. because we want to, we want to expose us. I do believe it's a dangerous doctrine and I know people have ridiculed me for saying that. I'll continue saying it oh, yeah. because it will kill a church. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to do something quickly. Go ahead and talk for a moment about that, uh, um, water baptism. All right. I would say Paul was baptized in water and Paul said, be followers of me as I am of Christ. Jesus Christ was baptized in water. Paul said that ye have me for an example. Paul said that he was a pattern. 1 Timothy 1.16, he was an example. Philippians 3.17. Let me read what he says here, one paragraph. It is also significant that Paul, the apostle of the Gentiles and minister of the body of Christ, never once in any of his letters, all caps, so it's really serious, commands or even exhorts us to be baptized with water. Wrong. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he said, be followers of me, and he said that they would keep the ordinances that he delivered to the church. Plural. Ordinances. Yes. This is the church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians 11, obviously. In Acts 18, Paul baptized believers yeah. in Corinth. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about two ordinances. Yeah. Water baptism, the Lord's Supper. Right. And Paul said, I would that you keep the ordinances. This guy is wrong. He said Paul never commanded or even exhorts us to do it. He told him to keep the ordinances. Amen. Another one, Paul was baptized. After, no, Paul baptized people after he got revelations of all the mysteries, which I don't know, I shouldn't do that. I, we believe in revelations of the mysteries. Right. 
But they say baptism is connected with the Old Testament, it's connected with the kingdom, it's connected with the little flock, it's connected with John the Baptist and Peter and this Old Testament, and it has to do with washings, and it's tied in with salvation, therefore it can't have anything to do with Paul. Even though Paul was baptized, even though Paul told you to follow him, even though Paul baptized people, their answer is, well, he didn't know yet. Paul baptized people after he got the revelation. Amen. And there's a bunch of other reasons, but not sure. I mean, you want me to rattle off there? Um, I'll add a few comments, and if you want to add more, uh, obviously, I would say their their proof text is going to be First um, oh, Corinthians chapter one. I think you know if you have a uh, if you take a text out of the context, you can create anything you wanted to say. But First Corinthians chapter one, this is kind of where they're foundation for this idea is and the fact that you know quote unquote as they say paul never commanded us to do so but obviously as brother brian just mentioned if you believe one of those two ordinances is water baptism which what else would the ordinances be plural we know the lord's supper is one of them and i believe they believe that also and they're okay with the lord's supper for the most part i'm sure some of them just you know disregard the lord's supper but obviously he's dealing in first corinthians who he's writing to about those keeping those ordinances with baptism so it would just make logical sense in context of the book and the chapter that that would be one of the two ordinances and so first corinthians chapter 1 verse 14 he says i thank god that i baptized none of you but Christmas and Gaius, uh, verse 15, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the house of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of not effect. So there they go. They say, see, Paul said that Christ sent him not to baptize, but preach the gospel. I'll going to turn over to you because I know you get some more on that um, about how um, Christ sent him not to baptize. You can explain that in a moment. But just the simple thing I want to point out here. Obviously, this is to the church of Corinth. Obviously, this is the body of Christ. Obviously, they are in Christ. And obviously, in the text, Paul says is said that he did baptize people. Not only did Paul baptized people. Not only did he say keep the ordinances, but they were practicing baptism here. And this is the church. So if the church is practicing baptism, if Paul is baptizing people, if Paul says keep the ordinances, how in the world can you say then we shouldn't baptize? And they say that based off of this verse, where verse 17, hmm. Christ sent me not to baptize. Again, you'll talk about that in just one moment. But they also say that because Paul doesn't state, go be baptized. Well, he did state that he did baptize. It's in the same verse. And so then we can also bring up what about all the other people in the book of Acts that are baptized. And you see that clearly through. But uh, maybe you can talk for a few moments just about, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. They say, see, Paul says, don't baptize. That is not in the context. Paul is simply saying, man, you are a bunch of carnal Christians. I'm glad I didn't baptize you. I baptized him and I baptized him. And maybe if you over here, I can't even remember who it was, but I'm sure glad I didn't baptize you because you're a bunch of carnal Christians dividing and fighting and bickering and arguing. That's the context. So what do you say in regards to that? For Christ sent me not to baptize. Yeah, one interesting thing, John 4, 2, it mentions that Jesus Christ baptized, but then it says he didn't do it, but others did it. So that's kind of what he's talking about. Right. Here's all I would say, and I'll give you scripture to back it up besides common sense. 
He's saying Christ, and I'm not adding to the scripture, and I'll Amen. give you scripture to show it. Paul's main number one job was to preach the gospel, not to baptize. My primary reason I was sent was not to baptize. That's what it is saying. Right. That's what it that's what it means. And I'll give you a few examples. Could Paul say, um, or I use example, like if Sam Gipp is an evangelist. He's not a church planting evangelist. He He's a friend of the church's ministry. If Sam Gipp said, God did not send me to build churches. He sent me to be a help to churches uh, and uh, write books. Does that mean Sam Gipp is not allowed to start a church? Does that mean Sam Gipp has never started a church? No. So right. another example, let's say uh, I'm your father. I'm, I'm, I am not... I'm not supposed to be your friend or my main job isn't to be your friend. Sure. So that means you are not allowed to be a friend with your kid. Yeah. No, it means your main job is to be his father and to be an example and to discipline him, not to be his friend, but it doesn't mean you can't be a friend. And some verses on that. First Corinthians eight, 12. Oh, okay. Here we go. Sorry. <laughs> Did Christ send Paul to fill in the blank? Did he do it? Did Christ send Paul to kill people? But he did it. Right. But it doesn't mean that was his primary mission. So the fact what they say is, well, he didn't send me to baptize, therefore Paul never baptized and baptism was wrong. Did, did Christ send Paul to deliver decrees? No, he sent him to preach the gospel. Did Paul did deliver decrees? Yes, in Acts 16, he and Silas went around to different churches delivering the decrees for the churches to make. Sure. Well, but you could just as easily say Christ did not send him to deliver decrees. Right. Well, that doesn't mean he didn't deliver decrees. My point is that's his primary mission was to preach the gospel, not to baptize, but he's not preaching against baptize. Did Christ send Paul to circumcise? No. Did he do it? Yes. He had Timothy circumcised. Sure. Did Christ send Paul to check on the churches? No, he sent him to preach the gospel. Just like he didn't send him to baptize, he sent him to preach the gospel. Did Paul check on churches? Absolutely. Yep. It was a big part of his ministry, going around right. checking on churches, see how they do and all right. that, make sure everything's fine. How about did Christ send him to perform signs? No, he sent him to preach the gospel. Right. Just like he didn't send him to baptize, send him to preach the gospel. Did Paul perform signs? Yeah. He did perform signs many times. Right. So that's the understanding. Matthew 15, Jesus Christ said, Christ sent me not, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So that means Jesus Christ never dealt with anybody that was a Gentile. Incorrect. Jesus Christ did deal with Gentiles. Right. Matthew 15, John chapter 4. Jesus Christ dealt with Gentiles, but... I'm showing that to show what I'm saying. He didn't primarily, his main purpose was not to go to Gentiles, but that doesn't mean he didn't deal with Gentiles. Paul's main purpose was not to baptize in water. His main purpose was to preach the gospel. But just like circumcising or water baptism or checking on the churches or doing other kind of things, that w- that was it wasn't his main purpose. That's right. what he's saying because he did baptize and he told you to baptize and he told you to keep the ordinances and he told you to follow that example. And there's a bunch of other, he's a good one. First Corinthians eight says, when you sin so against the brethren, you sin against Christ, not against the brethren. Well, he's not saying you don't sin against the brethren. You do sin against the sure. brethren. It's a comparative thing. It's a right. contrasting thing. That's right. what it is. It's just a, a form of grammar. Yeah, absolutely. And again, so you did a great job explaining how that's just how it's used. The language, the grammar of it's contrasting his main purpose. His main purpose is not baptism. Main purpose is to preach the gospel. That does not mean he didn't do it. And again, just in the context, he said he did it. And there's other examples, um, maybe just for a moment, and we don't have time to go through all the verses, but clearly what you see all the way through the book of Acts, and we understand there's different purposes for these things, but um, 
folks believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they get baptized. You see that with the Ethiopian eunuch, Acts chapter 8. Uh, they say, well, yeah, Paul's not saved yet. Yeah, what, what about Acts chapter 19? This is after the council. This is after Peter has known that you know the revelation has came to the to the Gentiles. Uh, but yet in Acts chapter 19, there's a com compare and contrast with John the Baptism's John the Baptism John the Baptist's baptism, and then being baptized afterwards in the, in the name of the Lord. And so Paul does baptize. Paul was baptized. The church at Corinth baptized. And so we see this pattern. And so therefore, if the Lord Jesus Christ was baptized, and he's an example for us, if Paul was baptized, and he said, be ye followers of me, if the early church at Corinth clearly was baptizing, then why would we not baptize people in water just like all of those? The only reason you wouldn't is if you have this idea that Paul has to command you to. Hmm. Well, that's just as ludicrous to say that there's no hell because Paul doesn't say or preach about hell, although I kind of disagree with that. He just doesn't use the word right. hell. Where do you he say go to church? Where do you command go to church? Right. So don't go to church. Right. I mean, it's just absurd to <laughs> take that position and say, well, Paul doesn't say you have to be baptized, therefore you shouldn't. You ever consider, and you brought this up, brother, we were talking about before, you ever consider... The reason that Paul doesn't have to say some of these things, they were just taking for granted because that's what the early church did. That's what Christians did. And the reason that Paul doesn't have to tell people to be baptized, because every example we have, especially throughout the book of Acts, is someone would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and immediately they'd be baptized. So therefore, it was just a given. They believed on the Lord, they got baptized. Believed on the Lord, they got baptized. And so there's not this need for the instruction because it's just what they did. And so therefore... Again, the idea that Paul has to command you to do it, otherwise it's not for you. Well, the church did it. Paul did it. Jesus did it. Um, I don't know what else to say. It kind of gets frustrating when you deal with these yeah. topics because they, they nitpick words. But any other thoughts in regards yeah. to that? Yeah, I just want to read another verse to go to show you how my interpretation is not a stretch. First Thessalonians, Christ sent me not. It's just a comparative thing. Right. He's not saying he wasn't sent to baptize. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man. First Thessalonians 4.8. But God, so he's talking about how these Christians are sinning against their brethren. So they are sinning against their brethren. But Paul says, you're not sinning against your brethren, but God. Yeah. Well, they are sinning against their brethren. Right. It's like Christ sent me not to baptize. Right. It's not saying he wasn't sent to baptize. He's saying primarily. That's right. what I'm saying. And it's, okay. there's other ones where Jesus Christ said, Christ sent me not to judge the world. Right. But then he judges in the, right. in the gospels. It's just primary, primarily. That's the understanding that's. Yeah. His main purpose, his main goal was main to purpose. Preach, Good, yeah. preach the gospel. <laughs> and that's clearly seen in the context. And so, um, but it also is clearly seen in the context that Christians that were in the body of Christ, that are part of the church, that were alive when Paul preached, when he's, you know, given his revelation and all that fun stuff, uh, they were baptized. So again, to me, it's very clear, very simple. Um, the church was, Paul was. We're commanded to keep the ordinances. Therefore, mm. that's why we teach and preach that you need to be baptized also. Um, let's see. I know we talked about this, but I, I wanted to kind of circle back around because there was a good verse I wanted to bring up. And uh, you had mentioned this about um, the apostles. Well, they say Paul is the only apostle to the church. Well, you showed there in Ephesians 2.20 um, how the church 
are built upon the foundation of the apostles, plural, hmm. not singular. And again, Paul's emphasis is always the cross, not himself in regards to the church. Yes, we know he is the apostle to the Gentiles. And we also know that that uh, Peter, James, and John and them were sent to the circumcision, where Paul and Barnabas were sent to the uncircumcision, Jew-Gentile. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I wanted to give another verse that is very good in regards to this thought. This is the gifts that God gave unto the church. <laughs> All right, so Ephesians chapter 4, um, I'll back up verse 8, says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascendeth up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Now here it is, verse 11. And he gave some apostles, plural, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Listen, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The apostles were given for the edifying of the body of Christ. Not for some other body, hmm. not for the little flock, yeah. not for some other church, but the apostles were given as a gift for the body of Christ. So the whole idea that Paul's the only apostle to the church of God, the body of Christ, is not biblical. And as you mentioned, they would they would say that's that's just not the twelve, which is bunk. Wherever yeah. is the apostles, not the twelve, right? So the other ones oh, are, right? Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's just, it's yeah. just, of course, they'll just, whatever fits into their right. idea, their doctrine, right. instead of reading it. And so why don't we go to Galatians chapter two and talk about that for a few minutes. I'll let you expound on Galatians chapter two and what this means, because again, this is their, their text of why they're going to say, it's going to be Galatians two, nine. I'll read it. I'll let you explain what it's truly saying. But this is why they say that the general epistles and Peter, James, and John, um, you know, they weren't to the church. They use Galatians chapter two, verse nine. It says, oh, well, I'll back up to verse, I'll back up verse seven. But contrawise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentile. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto to the heathen and they unto the circumcision. There it is, Brian. It shows you two things that Peter, James, and John, uh, they are to the Jews, that's the circumcision, and that's why all their epistles are to the Jews and not to us. And Paul and Barnabas is to the heathen, that's the uncircumcised, that's the Gentiles, and therefore only what they say pertains to us. And this is why <laughs> that there's two different gospels. There's a gospel to the Jews, and there's a gospel to the Gentiles. What do you say about that? Wow. <laughs> that's a good way to summarize it. Paul wow. is damned and accursed. It goes against Galatians 1, if that's so. But uh, Peter preached the same gospel Paul preached. 
Peter preached the gospel before Paul met with him in Acts 15 and all this kind of thing. It's all bunk. It's all made up. I got tons of verses on it. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Why don't you expound a little bit in regards to that? Like, what's Peter preaching, and you know, in just regards to to show, and then we'll we'll circle back to at this present time in in Galatians, um, as you already stated, how what they say can't be true, but also address what it what it what is Paul saying here? If it's not different gospels, and what what's he talking about? The people to whom Peter ministered were the Jews, and Paul went to the Gentiles. That's it. It's <laughs> pretty simple, right? Yeah, they they have the gospel being different. It's the people were just the whole of exactly. object versus subject thing. But uh, so at this time, let me ask you this: according to us and what we believe, according to the Word of God, is Peter, uh, uh, James, and John are they preaching a different gospel? They are not preaching a different gospel. They're not. Stam says that they're preaching a kingdom gospel. They're still the kingdom offer is still there to the close of Acts twenty eight. So they're preaching to the little flock. They're just preaching to Israel, just the circumcision, and they're still offering the kingdom, which is bunk. It's garbage. It's easily disproved in the Bible. Amen. Different gospel. Well, that's why they got the water baptism and the signs, and Paul's preaching a different gospel. You already mentioned it, but I'm going to read it, and then maybe you can explain a little bit about if you want on Peter and what he's preaching, but. If you just back up one chapter, you know it's not true because Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than which, you have pre than which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed as we said before so we so i say now again if any man if any man if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received let him be accursed so in chapter one he says listen there's one gospel i'm shocked that you're so soon removed listen if any man preach any other gospel let him be accursed but in their interpretation as soon as you get to chapter two Peter, James, and John are preaching another gospel. <laughs> that is absurd. <laughs> That's ludicrous. Well, they would interpret that in light of their teaching, and their teaching is not found in the Bible. It's an extra-biblical thing. So you're interpreting clear biblical passages in light of an extra-biblical uh, dogma interpretation. System theology, yeah. right. And Nonsense. So, a anyways, do you have anything else Man, you want to Man, well, I got so much stuff on Peter. Yeah. Talk maybe a couple things if you want, whatever you want. All right, First Corinthians one twenty three, which I'm not going to quote all this stuff, but he he specifically he acts like Paul is the first to preach the cross. He's the first to preach gospel. He's the first to preach grace. He's the first to preach by faith. Wrong, 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 wrong. But I can't get into everything. First Corinthians one twenty three. But we, who's the we? First Corinthians chapter one. Paul, Peter, Apollos. But we preach Christ crucified. We. We. What else do they preach? Chapter two. First Corinthians two. But we. Speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. This bird says that was Paul, not Peter. Paul says we. The we is Peter. Even the hidden wisdom. That's the Paul dispensational mystery, dispensation, one body. Peter is preaching it, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Look at chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 4. Let a man so account of us. Mm. That's Peter, as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries 
of God. Stam, that totally goes against Stam, and anybody watching this that's any kind of hyper-dispensationalist, Berean, mid-acts, post-acts, whatever. They say Peter preached, they got prophecy, mystery. And some of it is very good, and I kind of like how they lay it out. It does help you out a lot, but they go way too far. Prophecy is what Peter preached. Prophecy is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Prophecy is the Old Testament. It was Israel on top. That through the rise of Israel, the Gentiles will be blessed. Where Peter is preaching mystery, which is through the fall of Israel, the Gentiles will be blessed. Some of that is true. But they do not account for Peter having any of this knowledge of these mysteries. And I just proved it to you from the Bible. It's bunk. I got a few other things. First Corinthians 15, 11, Paul says, whether it were I or they, who are the they? It's the 12. First Corinthians 15, then he was seen of Cephas, then of the 12, and then of James, and of 500 brethren at once, whom the greater part remain in this present, but some are falling asleep. Paul said, whether it were I or they. Paul always includes Peter. He never excludes Peter from his preaching, yeah. from the preaching of the gospel that he is preaching, from the revelation of the mystery. It's a, read Ephesians 3. Read Colossians 1. He talks about the revelation of the mystery, and he always includes the apostles. Right. It's never me first, and me only, and me first, and Peter. They take one verse, Galatians 2, where the gospel of the circumcision and the gospel of the uncircumcision, and they create this whole doctrine and ignore all these verses I'm honestly, I, I believe they haven't seen some of these verses because they, they totally disprove them. Paul includes Peter, whether it were I or they, so we preach. That's First yeah. Corinthians 15, 11. We preach. Who's right. the we? It's Peter. Yeah. He's not preaching a different gospel. We preach and so ye believed. Amen. Paul is writing to Gentiles. It says we preach, including Peter, and he says ye believed. What's First Corinthians 15? It's the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, the definition of the gospel. Yeah. He says Peter preached it and they believed it. He includes Peter. He's not making a distinction that these dispensationalists do. They are totally wrong. They're creating this doctrine out of thin air from Galatians 2, which is not saying what they're doing. It. They're taking this, this the stuff that Peter was ignorant of, which he was in the gospels. He didn't know about death, burial, resurrection. That was hidden in the Old Testament. We believe that. We understand that. We know that. But they take that and they cram it into Acts 15, Acts 18, Acts 20. That is nowhere in the Word of God. Peter got the revelations that Paul got. Peter was preaching the same thing that Paul preached. Peter was preaching the death, burial, resurrection. He was in the body of Christ. He was in the church of God. There's no difference. They're making all these differences where it doesn't exist. They're creating doctrine. They're creating a heresy out of thin air and making Peter accursed and damned, yeah. according to Galatians 1. Yeah. One more, Galatians 2.15. Let me quote it. This, this is Galatians 2. This is the whole Peter yeah. preaching a different gospel chapter. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. That would include Peter as well as Paul. Knowing. So what does, what does we, what does Peter and Paul know? Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, unless you're the little flock and Peter's preaching yeah. to you, then you are. Yeah, right. It's so against it. Right. What's justification by the works of the law? But by the way, they say baptism is an Old Testament ordinance. Baptism is necessary to get your sins forgiven, according to them. And Peter is preaching that presently yeah. to the kingdom mystery, little flock, a kingdom of heaven church. They teach that. I believe in Acts 2, that is so. I believe in John, in John the Baptist, Matthew 3, Mark 1, Luke 3, that is so. But they're saying Peter is presently preaching that. He's a damned heretic if he is. And Paul said that we, including Peter, know a man is not justified by the works of the law. 
Checkmate number 50. These guys are nuts. Yeah. The doctrine, the Board of God does not support their doctrine. Not They'll take all. one verse and interpret 50. We'll take the 50 and Amen. understand the Galatians 2, which is not even a problem. It's just the people he's preaching to. Yeah, it's Circumcision. Worth, yeah. He's in Jerusalem. There's a bunch of Jews there. Peter's preaching to them. Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So again, well said. And, and again, so just to recap, summarize a couple thoughts here. Paul is simply saying in Galatians chapter 2, me and Barnabas are going to the Gentiles. Peter, James, and John, they're going to the Jews, but they're preaching the same gospel. They're not preaching a different gospel. I love how you pointed out in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Obviously, this is the gospel chapter. This yeah. is, by definition, what the gospel is. Verse 3 and 4, For I deliver to you first of all that which I have also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. We believe that is the gospel that was revealed unto Paul. He said he received it. They would agree with that. Praise the Lord. Then he talks about how that he was risen and how that Cephas and of the twelve and how they seen him. And it goes on to talk about the apostles. And then he says in verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles. See, Paul includes himself as the apostles. That goes back to Ephesians 2.20. That goes back mm -hmm. to Ephesians 4, 11 yep. and 12, where Christ is the chief cornerstone, and then the apostles, plural, for what? The church of God. And again, it goes on, talks about in verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, uh, goes on. And this is where you rightfully point out verse 11, therefore, whether it were I or they, yep. so Same. we preach. And so ye believe who is the, they, who is um, the we that's the people he lists prior in the chapter in the context that's the 12 that's the apostles which he includes himself in and so again this is just just the context alone shows you that they preached the same gospel not a different gospel what I, what I find funny is again this goes back to the comparative Paul is saying he is sent to the Gentiles and Peter and James and John are sent to the Jews. That does not mean that they did not preach to the Jews, meaning Peter. Matter of fact, I love what Acts chapter 17 says. This is as Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them in three Sabbath days, hmm. reasoned with them out of the scripture. In verse one, he's in the synagogue with the Jews and he goes in there on the Sabbath day and he reasons with them out of the scripture. But I thought that was Peter, James, and John's job. So what is Peter preaching to him? Uh, I'm sorry, what is Paul preaching to him? Well, since it's the Jews, and since he's in the, you know, the synagogue, surely he'd be preaching him Peter's message, right? Yeah, I guess, yeah. According to their thinking. The kingdom offer, it's right? still there. Kingdom offer, it's still there. <laughs> so they're going to be getting that kingdom offer. Here's what it says he reasoned with them. Reasoned with them out of the scripture. Verse 3, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead, and that Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. He preached to them the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. To who? To the Jews. So although Paul's right hand of fellowship was primarily to the Gentiles, Paul had a burden for his kinsmen. Paul wished himself a curse for them, and he preached to them all the time. Uh, but the point is, and vice versa, Peter preaches to Gentiles. So this whole idea is just absolutely absurd. We understand that there is a transition in the book of Acts. And 
I'll talk briefly about that in a moment, but there is a transition in the book of Acts. We see that, we know that, but this whole idea to make a different body, to make a different church, to make a different you know, little flock and a different gospel, that is heresy. Um, they're preaching the same gospel uh, that Paul's preaching, especially by Galatians and Acts 15. They come to the conclusion, obviously, that God has turned to the Gentiles into so to to preach and teach differently is just not biblical. Brother, what else you got to say? I know we've exhausted a lot of this. <laughs> I know. Anything else you want to talk about? Just a couple things on Peter. Yeah. Ephesians three five, which is one of the greatest passages they they use, and it is a great passage. He says, as it, talking about the mystery of one body by the gospel, is now revealed unto his holy apostles. Apostles. <laughs> when they see Paul, Paul, I got revelations. I had stuff revealed. I just showed you the context. Apostles. He he's includes everybody. They say, Paul says, Jesus Christ revealed things to me. Jesus Christ showed me things. He did. I agree right. with that. Amen. But they add the word first or they add the word only. Right. It's just like a Calvinist. Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. They say Jesus Christ loved the church only. Limited atonement. Jesus Christ gave his life for his sheep. He did. He died for the sheep, but that doesn't mean didn't die for lost people. The Calvinist says he died only for the sheep. That's what they're doing. Paul says, God showed me this. They say God showed Paul this first, or they say God showed Paul this only. It's not in the Bible. Colossians 1.28. Let me read that. That's a really good verse. Colossians 1.26. That's the other mystery that Paul talks about. Great passages that they use, but they miss something. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among you, which is Christ in you, the indwelling Christ, the hope of glory. That's a mystery, Paul, Revelation, mystery, all that kind of thing. Did Peter preach it? Whom we preach. Whom we preach. Ephesians 3, the context is the apostles. Amen. And just let me quote 2 Peter 1 to show you Peter knew of the mysteries and Peter preached the mysteries. Peter, by the way, in Acts 15, this guy says that Paul was the first one to preach salvation by grace. Paul was the first one to preach salvation by faith. Paul was the first one. Peter preached the gospel according to Acts 11 to Cornelius. And Peter in Acts 15, verses 7 through 11, he uses the word gospel, believe, that they give the Holy Ghost that they purify their hearts by faith, and that we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Acts 15, 11, we shall be saved even as they. Oops. Matches Paul 100%. And saved even as they. Even as they. Right. Matches Paul 100%, but yet they got Peter preaching a different gospel. Here's 2 Peter 1. It is not. It's 1 Peter 1. This matches Paul 100%. And we already saw Paul, Peter. Paul includes Peter with no one of the revelation. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. This is a verse they would use, I would use, to show the, the mystery and all that. And in the Old Testament, they call it prophecy was not revealed, and that now we know about it. Searching water, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified before in the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves. I think they would use this first to say, see, it was a mystery. It wasn't revealed correctly. So, but unto Paul, they did minister the things which are now. No, I, no, that's what they would say. It's right. Paul. Paul's the only one that knew the mysteries, but unto us, they did men are the things now reported unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angel desired. Talking about salvation. It's reported to us. Amen. 
And they even has a whole chapter on this where there's Paul and then there's the other apostles. And Paul always distinguishes. No, he doesn't. He, right. Paul, it's always the same. Right. Maybe not always. I'm sure there's one or two verses where there is a distinction. But yeah. Peter includes himself with having revelation, with having knowledge of these mysteries. Paul includes them in Ephesians 3, Amen. Colossians 1, 1 Corinthians 1. I already showed you they're preaching the same message. Paul uses the we, the plural, whatever it is. But he's including Peter as one of them, not making them separate. So. Amen. Amen. So I know we have covered a whole lot and it's kind of been a shotgun. And uh, I want to, I want to talk just a moment about the book of Acts and transition and talk, uh, give brother Brian some closing thoughts and I'll come back with some closing thoughts and we'll wrap up this podcast. And we're going to definitely be about an hour, a little over an hour and a half, but I encourage you to listen all, uh, go back, listen again, get the verses, pray about it. Uh, but I just want to kind of summarize this before I make my final thoughts is there's no doubt the book of Acts is a transitional book. It's a transition from the Jews to the Gentiles. And there's no doubt that they don't understand or know the mystery of the one body yet. We, we understand that. But as I concluded with the last podcast, just because the revelation is not known does not mean that it's not already in effect. And so what you have is I, I like to summarize it like this. We know that according to Romans chapter 8, verse 9, if you have not the Spirit of God, then you're none of His. You've got to have the Spirit of God inside of you to be saved. Amen. And so God has a plan. And God says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now here's God's plan for the purpose of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the permanent indwelling of the Holy Ghost, the coming comforter. And He said, you know, if I don't go away, then, then the comforter can't come. And so he goes away, the cross of Calvary, they have to wait at Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. But here's the purpose, here's the plan. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And so God wants the message, the gospel, to go forth, starting at Jerusalem, Judea, and then go to Samaria, and then to other most parts of the earth. And so what you'll see, if you understand the book of Acts is a transition book, you'll see that God deals with these different groups of people and God's plan comes to pass, just like he said. Now, I just want to highlight this. Now, we know that, again, Paul is sent into to the uh, Gentiles and Peter to the Jews. So, of course, you got the Feast of Pentecost. Who's God going to use? He's going to use Peter. And so in Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, Paul uh, Peter gets up there and preaches to those Jews and of course, they have to repent and be baptized for the mission of sins, and then they shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I believe this. I believe you're, you agree with this too. They had to be baptized in water before they could receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But what God's doing is and that's their dealing. problem. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a problem with a lot of folks. But what what He's dealing, He's dealing with the Jews there as a nation there, as a national message there. And so he's dealing with the Jews. That's to be a witness in Jerusalem, in Judea. That's to get those Jews there, right? So that's Acts chapter 2. Are they preach in the kingdom of heaven, or is Acts 1-8 the kingdom of God? <laughs> According to the Bible, then they're, they're seeking the kingdom of God. Right, not the physical earthly kingdom. Right. Without this time restored again the kingdom of Israel, and Jesus says it's not for you to know the time, but right. there's kingdom of God. Right. It goes against what they're saying, the little flock and the kingdom exactly. of Exactly. According to Jesus, else. he said, listen, you don't need to worry about that. <laughs> i got a different purpose for you right, right. now. 
It's the kingdom of God. So, but he's dealing with the, the Jews there, and there's a Jewish message. We recognize all that. It's a transition book. We don't preach today, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins and you to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We understand it was a Jewish national message. But what I'm saying is God is fulfilling his purpose of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So you got Jerusalem, Judea there. That's those Jews there. They're coming for the Feast of Pentecost. And so that message deals with that first group. He's dealing with the Jews. And there's signs there. That is the purpose of tongues. We know that the Jews require a sign, but the Greeks seek after wisdom. So the sign he gives them is the gift of tongues to confirm the message. And because of that gift, 3,000 were added under the church. They believed, they did what they said, and they got into the body of Christ by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, just as the message they heard. Then what happens is Acts chapter 7. This time, God has Stephen preached to those Jews with no signs. And I believe this is the moment God is saying, all right, are you going to now receive the message without the sign gifts? Of course, we know what happens. They stone Stephen. And again, so now what you're going to see is this transition to fulfill the rest of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so what happens? The very next thing in Acts chapter 8 is you have a Samaritan. Hmm. A Samaritan is a half Jew, half Gentile. Remember, they set up their own way to worship. So now God's going to deal with the Samaritan. Why? to fulfill Acts 1.8, to be witnesses in both Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria. So now he's going to deal with the Samaritan. What does the Samaritan have to do? They they believe but the, and, and is baptized, but they have to have the apostles lay hands on them. To what? Confirm that this is the true way of worship. This is the way you got to receive this. And that's how they receive the Holy Ghost, according to chapter, Acts chapter 8. So you got the Jews taken care of. You got the Samaritans taken care of. Now we need to go out to the uttermost parts of the world. And so what happens is you in Acts chapter 8, now you have a Gentile proselyte, or as the Old Testament would call a stranger. And he now has to get the message. But he has to get the message. But what's interesting there is there's no signs with that Jew there, mm. with the Gentile there. There's not the laying on the hands. Uh, obviously, he believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he is what? Baptized which would be a pattern of how God's going to deal with the Gentiles. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you get baptized. Of course, because this transition is occurring, Acts chapter 9, Paul gets saved, who's the apostle to the Gentile. Acts chapter 10, Peter sees this vision that God is turning to the Gentiles. And then what happens? You get your first, if you want to say this, true Gentile saved in Acts 10. In Obviously, 10 is the number of the Gentiles. And so he saved without being baptized and no need of laying on hands, which matches how God deals with the Gentiles in Acts chapter 8. Hmm. So if those two is how God deals with the Gentiles, why would God not deal with us the same way? Um, but here he speaks in tongues. And why does he speak in tongues? As a sign to what? The unbelieving Jew, not unbelieving in Christ, but right. unbelieving that the Gentiles could be saved as they. Right. And so there you have it. Acts 15, you have the Jewish council. They confirm that God's turned into the Gentiles. That wasn't Paul in Acts 10. Right. And Peter. Right. Exactly. That's Peter. And Acts 8 wasn't Paul. Right. Exactly. So the point <laughs> is, this transition is occurring, already taking effect prior to that revelation being given to the apostle of the Gentile. I wonder if Paul gave Jesus permission to do it that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so the Jewish council, Acts chapter 15, uh, but then you get the Gentile sa uh, jailer saved in Acts 16. Believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, no baptism, uh, no laying on hands, no baptism. speaking in tongues. 
Well, baptism afterwards. Afterwards, yeah, yeah. for salvation. Right. Acts 2.38, right. excuse me. Yeah, right. But again, over. he's a Gentile, so he follows the pattern of how God deals with him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, get baptized. And then obviously Paul concludes, he says three times in the book of Acts, lo, I turn unto the Gentiles. But he says it in Acts 13, Acts 18, and in Acts 8, 28, 28. Anyways, I know that was kind of long-winded, but I thought it was worth sharing. Mm. There is a transition in the book of Acts. God is dealing with all these different groups of people. Starts with the Jews, then the Samaritans, then the proselytes, and then to the Gentiles. And all this transitioning is all occurring without Paul, without those revelations being given to him. And God's plan of Acts 1-8 is being un is being fulfilled and going out just like he said he would. So it's good. Closing statements. Anything you want to say? Yeah. And I'll have a few closing statements. A couple here. clothing. Clothing. Yeah. <laughs> he puts a basic distinction between prophecy and the mystery. The mystery concerns a body, a living organism, the body given a position in heaven. But he's got a little footnote. Those who question whether the items listed under this heading are associated with the mystery have but to search and see whether they can find them in prophecy. Hmm. I've found them in prophecy. I got the verses written next to him where he's Amen. saying the stuff revealed to Paul he calls mystery, which for the most part is true. I can find it in I can find it in the book of John, I can find it in the book of Matthew, I can find it in the Old Testament. So I'm not gonna go through each one, but it's just kind of funny. If you want to make a comment or something. Gentiles blessed through Israel's obstinacy, where prophecy is the Jews rised up and the Gentiles get in the goodies through the Jews in the millennium, which is true. But he says the mystery is the opposite, where the, through the Jews fall, the Gentiles are blessed. Jesus Christ talks about that. Matthew 8, 11. <laughs> um, he says, um, Matthew 21, 43, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given yeah. to a nation, which he makes a little flock, which is nonsense. He says it's individual. God deals individually. That's not in mist. That's not in prophecy. Yeah. John 1, 11, as many as received him. John 3, you must be born again. That's the problem. They'd say that it's national, but it's not national. It's individual. You're talking to Nicodemus, a yeah. guy. Yeah. How are nations born of the water? And right. It doesn't even make sense. The mystery explains Christ's present absence from the earth. No, Matthew 22 gives a parable, go out in the highways and hedges, and they, they crucified the son. That's, that's in the Bible. It's in Isaiah 6 in the vineyard. So this guy, he seems to know the Bible pretty well. I'm not going to say he's ignorant, but he's just all messed up or something. I think it's because they look through the lens of their system, right? Right, and they get, their minds are warped. Yeah. All right, I just got one more thing. Um, okay, so here's what he's teaching. We know, and I thought he knew, but actually when I look at it, he'd have to teach this. The kingdom offer Acts 7, Stephen, and he even says... Uh, they rejected the Father, they rejected the Son, and in Acts 7, they reject the Holy Spirit by killing Stephen. Kingdom offer is over. No, 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 he does not teach that. He teaches the kingdom offer is valid until Acts 28. Why would he teach that when it's so obviously false? And pretty much throughout his book, he'll even contradict himself, but I don't have time to point it out. He does it because he has to, because he's got Peter preaching a different gospel, still water baptism being performed, and he's, a, he's of this little flock, which is a separate church. And that's throughout the book of Acts. So he has to say the reason this is still going on because the kingdom offer is still there. The literal, physical, visible kingdom offer that Jesus Christ offered that is there in the early part of it. By early part, you're talking from Acts 1 to Paul gets saved. It's probably just a few months. Mm. But from when Paul gets saved to Acts 28, you're talking 30 years. There's a lot of years expire. Acts, you're just talking a few months from Acts 1 to 7. But they still teach the kingdom offer is there. Is there any Bible support for it? No, and I'll give you a verse after I read this to prove he's totally bonkers, but they have to teach it. We must not forget that Paul, though entrusted with another commission and the gospel of the grace of God, nevertheless confirmed Peter's message and proclaimed and proved to the Jews everywhere that Jesus is the Christ for the offer. Yeah, this is why 
Paul still connected with the Jews now and then. The offer of the kingdom made at Pentecost was not officially withdrawn until Acts 28, 28. Mm. And I got a verse that yeah. you know just hearing that that is garbage. Yeah. 1 Thessalonians 2. 1 Thessalonians, I believe, is the first book that Paul wrote. Mm. It's, the, it's considered the earliest book. They would probably agree it's the earliest book. He's not in prison very early. 1 Thessalonians 2. 14, for ye brethren became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. Mm. By the way, these Gentiles, separate issue, they followed, became followers of the churches of yeah. Judea, Jewish churches. What do they do? They're baptized in water. Mm. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So here's the Jews, way before Acts 28, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophet, contrary to all men, forbidding, this is before Acts 28, God's... God, the way he looks at Israel, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sins always for the wrath is come upon them after the Acts 28. No, to the uttermost. Mm. Offer's gone way before Acts 28. There's no kingdom sure. offer. Right. He says it not because there's one verse of scripture to prove it because he has to say it right. to match his doctrine and they just warp all these Bible passages, hundreds of passages and doctrines to fit their extra biblical garbage. Yeah. So that's what I got on that. Well, praise the Lord. Good closing thoughts. Ooh, and uh, I would just kind of, I want to hit it just a summary for my closing thoughts. So uh, basically kind of to reiterate what we've discussed, there is one body. That body is the body of Christ. And that is the church. We see that. Paul says that there is three groups of people, not four. The Jew, the Gentile, and the church of God. The church of God is the body of Christ. That is those that are in Christ. And Paul said he persecuted the church of God. And that's clear. Another thing that's very clear is when Paul talks about himself, he includes himself as the apostles. He's one of the apostles. Mm -hmm. We showed you there according to Ephesians 2.20 and Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, that the apostles were the foundation. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. They are the foundations, and they are the gift to the church of God to perfect the body of Christ. That body of Christ is the church of God, and that's the apostles that started in the book of Acts. Pentecost, we see there, they received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and again, that was the promise of the Father. They're added under the church, and again, that's that one body. We showed you there that Paul is the apostle of the Gentiles, but he preached also to the Jews. We showed you that Peter was the apostle to the Jews, but he also preached to the Gentiles. We showed you clearly that they were sent, Peter, James, and John, to the circumcision. That's who they were sent to, but they were sent to preach the gospel. Paul and Barnabas were sent to the Gentiles. To do, do what? To preach the gospel. And according, according to Galatians chapter 1, if anyone preached any other gospel than what they were preaching, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they're to be accursed. We showed you <laughs> that uh, this whole idea of making another body is not biblical. Another church, another flock. It's all they have to build these things to fit into their theo theolo theological system. Uh, showed you that we are born again. According to Paul, he said, I've begotten you through the gospel. He talks about the regeneration that's being born again. And so John chapter 3 is applicable 
We showed you how that being a Christian in 1 Peter chapter 4, and then Paul refers to in Acts chapter 26, 28, how that King Agrippa almost became a Christian. So if you believe what they believe, then there's two different groups of Christians. Not only is there two yeah. bodies, not only is there two different churches, you got these Christians here and these Christians here. No, a Christian is one who's in the body of Christ, who's saved, who's part of the church. But according to them, they don't. So we went on went on and showed you that there's not preaching a different gospel. They're preaching the same gospel. I'm trying to think of anything else in summary. Showed them a lot. Showed them a whole lot. There's a transition going, and going that is occurring. I'll say this. We are out of time. I thought we'd get more time to get into this, but I know there is a discussion that a lot of hypers don't believe that we are the bride of Christ. I think that is absolutely ridiculous. According to Romans chapter 7, we are married unto Jesus Christ. According to Ephesians chapter five, we are supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. The comparison is we are married unto him. And so they're great, you know, here's their million, million dollar question. Here's their thought that's supposed to stump you. <laughs> well, how can you be the body and the bride at the same time? Well, it's simple, <laughs> you study your Bible. Now, Paul talks about how that he, he, you know, we shouldn't be beguiled as Eve was beguiled. He wants to present us, us, the church, as a chaste virgin. And he's comparing the church back to Eve. Brian, you know what happens when you look back to Genesis and you see a picture of the church in Adam who willingly died for his bride and she becomes what? Bone of his bone and fleshes of his flesh. Mm. They become one body. Sounds familiar. And that is his bride. And that's a picture of the church. Boom. We are his bride. And we are his bride. Amen. Again, so all this extra biblical stuff they come up with, you can throw it away, stick to the book, and thank God that you must be Amen. able to rightly divide the word of truth. But we're thankful. We're glad that you tuned in. Uh, please continue to watch the the word of a king podcast with that said as i always say do something for the lord jesus christ god bless until next time the key to understand the word of god is for the author to show you what the thing says if you understand that book you get for the author then he opened their understanding